Blog Talk Radio. Mayor Johnson, your special education super sauce, is celebrating Autism Awareness Month by giving away a new iPad with nine PCS apps, a copy of Boardmaker Studio, and several other prizes. And we're just thrilled that they're participating with the Coffee Clatch. And um, if you would like to enter to win, go to MayorJohnson.com. That's Mayor-Johnson.com. And check out their website. It's an invaluable resource. Um, welcome to the Coffee Clutch. This is Marianne Russo. Um, earlier tonight, we um, had the pleasure of bringing you Melody Latimer from Autistic Self Advocacy Network, and she gave an incredible interview. It's in archive, it's on iTunes, and you can listen at any time. And now I am thrilled to bring you Rethinking Autism. Dana Commandatory and her husband, Michael Broderick, have created. Rethinking Autism. And um, tonight we're going to bring you a very, very special interview. Uh, For those of you not familiar with Rethinking Autism, it is really incredible. They are changing the conversation, as they say, one video at a time. Uh, Dana is going to be conducting the interview with her husband, actor Michael Broderick, and um, they'll be discussing his involvement in Rethinking Autism videos. And also what's really important is the father's role and some fatherly advice on newly diagnosed children with autism. And if you have not gone to their website, you really need to go over there because through their powerful videos, Dana and um, Michael are not only changing the conversation, but they are truly changing the world's view of autism. They are spectacular. I'm honored to introduce them. And here they are, Dana Commandatory and Michael Broderick. Thank you so much, Marianne. It is a pleasure to be here. Um, as Marianne told you, I am the co-founder of RethinkingAutism.com, along with my husband, Michael Broderick. And we started um, we started our website back in 2009. We wanted to change the media conversation about autism. We thought it was too focused on causation and cure, and we wanted to start improving the quality of life for autistic people. We also... Um, we we love to make videos, so we decided that that was the best way for us to to do this. And we started making um, a bunch of videos over the past few years, but our most recent one was premiered today, and I hope you all get a chance to see it. We are particularly proud of this one. It is um, an almost an entirely autistic production. The animation, the music, the, the score, the singing, the storyboards were all done by autistic people. So if you go to RethinkingAutism.com and click on the Believe It tab, you can you can watch the Danny Bowman story. So I hope you all get a chance to do that. Some very, very talented young autistic people working on that. We need to see a lot more of that. Um, tonight I'm going to be speaking with uh, my husband, Michael Broderick, who is here on the line. How are you doing, Michael? Hey, uh, is it is it Dana or Dana? I always I always get mixed up. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Are we playing this like we don't know each other? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> We're going to get some info here um, out of each other. I think I think this should be an interesting half hour, which we can go back and listen to and maybe learn something. Well, that was that was quite an intro we got. Yes, that was Marianne. That was awesome. Marianne's great. She's been a supporter for a long time, and um, I have of her stuff. Um, and she just she's wonderful, and she does so much good and does so much advocacy it's i just love listening to her show and love the opportunity to guest host and even love having you on more so let's get started all right cool all right so michael you are an actor a veteran of the marine corps and the father of our nine-year-old autistic boy and co-founder of rethinking autism so you've 
you've been through a lot in life. You've got a lot of different life experiences. I want to talk about some of them today and how they relate. Sure. But, but first of all, let's let's find out, why do you think there are so few fathers that are vocal in the autism community? Why do you think that is? Um, well, I, well, that's a good question. Uh, I guess most times parenting, you know, will fall on the mothers out there. You know, typically they spend the most time with their children. Now, obviously, in our situation, it's, it's a little different. You know, due to the type of work I do, I'm able to be around more. And uh, even though we've been involved with Rethinking Autism for, uh, what, three years now? Mm-hmm. This is my first interview on the subject, so uh, I'm really not <laughs> sure how to answer. Uh, why do you think it is? Um, well, it... I I think you I mean I think you hit nail on the head. I think a lot of the the parenting or the stay at home falls on mothers and I think there are a growing group at stay at home dads not you know you work but you also you don't work a 9 to 5 job so right. you, you have the luxury of being a, being there for Michelangelo um when you pick him up from school and you know homework and things like that. Uh that's something that most fathers don't get that opportunity. Whether you have a neurotypical child or a child with special needs, you are in a fortunate situation to be a huge part of that child's growing up. When a- Absolutely. Yeah, and traditionally, that you know, that's been left to the mother or a caretaker, at least in the, you know in the past couple decades. Sure. Due to both parents working. Um, Let's start. Let's go back to the beginning, because okay. you know, obviously, I've talked about this a million times. Like you said, this is the first time that you've done an interview like this. When we found out that Mike, that our son Michelangelo was diagnosed with with autism, how did you handle hearing that news, and was it a surprise to you? Um, was it a surprise? Well, I guess the the actual diagnosis was. I mean, you know, I knew there was something different about Michelangelo from the time he was very young. Uh, but, what do you mean different? What did well, you think that was different? I mean, there was a there was a period where, because you know, I was home with him, uh, you know, once you you had gone back to work and everything like that. It was me and the boy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, there were times where I thought he, I thought he might have been deaf or something because you know I'd talk to him or, or call him or whatever, and there was like he wouldn't look at me. There was really very little reaction to certain things, and then other times he'd like lock right on, and. Uh, you know, we did. We don't have any other children, so it was. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of uh, kind of shared experience. But um, so, I guess when he would react to certain things in ways that I thought were unusual, and uh, and then as he got older, he wasn't speaking, and I mean, not even like kind of uh, babbling or anything really. And mm-hmm. I, you know, everyone would say, "Oh, don't worry about it." You know, it's. Uh, you know, boys talk later, and this, that, and the other thing. But you know, I, I don't know if you remember the day we were in the in the kitchen, and he took a, a refrigerator magnet. And yes, I do. Tell me, yeah, talk about that. He wasn't even saying "mama" or "papa" yet. He used to say "m" for you. He'd do an "m" sound and mm-hmm. do a "p" like a "p" for "papa." Right. And he took the refrigerator magnet, which was a, uh, I believe it was a, a uppercase "p," and he took it off the the refrigerator and he held it like a "p" and he said "p." And then he turned it upside down so it made a lowercase b, and he said b. And then he spun it 180 degrees so it made a a, a, a d, a, you know, a lowercase d. And he mm-hmm. goes duh, and then he turns it over again so it so it makes a q. He goes k. That's and right. I was like, <laughs> this kid isn't talking, but he's thinking three dimensionally and he's manipulating the thing, and 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 he knows all the sounds. I'm like, why isn't he talking? Right. So uh, I knew something was up. 
and to uh, I remember I was actually in acting class when when you gave me the uh, the call and said Michelangelo's autistic and I said get off the internet. <laughs> yes, I, I remember that. I remember that day. I had I had you know I had gone online and I did my online diagnosis after a hearing test that went horribly wrong and. Um, and yeah, I I read all the signs and it was as clear as day. But I think I think both of us, although you know that part of it, I think we were more worried that there was something physically possibly wrong with our son. And, yeah, yeah. And so when we got an autism diagnosis, I think we pretty much felt the same way. Yeah, I was actually relieved. Mm-hmm. You know, it was basically, uh, you know. I realized that, okay, there are other people out here that have had the same diagnosis. There are things you're supposed to do, strategies you can access, plans you can execute. You know, I'm I'm a Marine. I'm supposed to do something, you know. So right, right. it was reassuring to know that, you know, we weren't the first people to experience this, and, and, mm-hmm. and there were steps that you're supposed to follow. Uh, so that actually made me feel better. Well, yes, and, I, and you know, I felt very similar. You know, when you put a, a producer and a Marine together, hopefully something is going to get done. I don't think we're going to sit back and, you know, watch daisies grow. But, but it, um, you know, it was, it was, a, very, it was a, diff- a very different time than it is today. I mean, when, we, when our son was first diagnosed, in, we're in Southern California, the regional centers didn't have the influx of people that they have now. And it was actually relatively easy to get services and relatively easy to get started. Um, it's not the same situation now with budget cuts and things that are happening. And I do feel sorry for families that are, re- you know, now getting a diagnosis that aren't sure where to go. But right, to have to fight tooth and nail to get certain things right, to, because, to help their child. Right, because one of the things that we found um, is that it doesn't get easier. And whether or not you accept the fact that your child is autistic, which we both have, and we, we've never had a problem with that, there are other people that do have, a, you know, it becomes a problem for especially school districts and things like that and trying to advocate for your child, which both of us have been pretty active in doing. Um and, you know, we spent a lot of time in meetings with teachers and school boards just trying to get our son with, you know, what we considered an appropriate education. Right. Um, you know, going back to what I was saying before about accepting autism, um, you know, my definition of autism is a neurological diversity that is characterized by a bunch of different behaviors that seem to be common, that needs acceptance, support, and understanding more than a cure. Uh, you know, I don't believe in a cure. And that's, it all follows in the long, along the lines of the, the neurodiversity movement. And a lot of people don't know what neurodiversity is or what it means. And when we refer to NTs, um, neurotypical people, that means, you know, so-called typical people, whatever that is. What does parenting from a neurodiversity perspective, or what does, it, what does neurodiversity mean to you? Um, you know, I'm not up on, on what, uh, you know, I'd certainly go to somebody, you know, uh, an organization like ASAN or somebody for their definition, but I guess to me it means uh, just a difference in how one thinks, you know, how, how one perceives the world and, and expresses themselves. Um, it's also come to represent, you know, uh, like tolerance and acceptance to me, mm-hmm. the term. Uh, but as far as a textbook definition, yeah, I don't have one. Yeah, well, that that's, that's perfectly all right. It's just... You know, but you, I think you, you get the drift, as they say. Um, you know what's important that a lot of – you hear a lot of fathers, when, it, when a child is diagnosed, talk about all the lost hopes, 
you know, and the expectations that they had for your son. Did you have any of those expectations? Uh, well, you, all fathers do. I mean, you know, you 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 think about. I guess you know. I always figured I'd be having a catch with my kid. You know, when he's six, seven years old, or, or uh, you know, kicking a soccer ball around or something like that. Uh, and you know, that doesn't happen. That doesn't interest him, or, or whatever. I mean. That's fine. I, you know, you 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 move on, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know and you find and you find other ways to connect. Exactly. And I think you—that's one of the things that you've done an excellent job of—is that you, you know, um, for those of you who don't know my son, he is very attached to both of us, and that we don't seem to—that's not a problem. We love it because we love spending time with him. But you know, uh, Michael was out for a couple hours this morning, and. Every 15 minutes, the conversation with Michelangelo turned around to, "What time? Where's Papa right now? What time will he be home? Where do you think he is right now? Is he driving on the 405?" And there was a lot of, um, you know, it, everything was good because he couldn't wait for you to get home and connect with you. Right. And I think you find different ways to do that. That's really the point I wanted to make on that subject. I guess, uh, whatever your expectations were, you know, man, they're just different. Um, uh, I'm liking the fact, you know, like I said before, you know, talking about having a catcher, kicking a soccer ball, uh, but other interests replace that. You know, I'm a, I'm a big geek too, so I'm enjoying the fact that he's discovered like Lord of the Rings movies and Star Wars and Transformers and video games. I mean, that stuff's right Building up my alley. Legos, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I I just love that stuff. Yeah. So you just it's you you know you probably didn't picture. 20 years ago, sitting back with your son and, you know, playing video games like this with them that, you know, that you enjoyed. So it is, like you said, it's just a totally different, you're going to, you've got to find a way to connect. I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And, you know, regardless, even if it's, I would assume, you know, even if it's not something that you're particularly interested in, if, I, I guess I would just say, if it's something that your child is interested in, get interested, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, um, how much have we learned about sharks over the years? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sharks. First it was dinosaurs, then sharks. Now we're talking about big cats and tigers and uh, everything else. So. Yeah, and it's just been so. It's. I think if you if you look at it as a learning experience all around, you all benefit from that. And you you have to be very open minded going into it and saying, okay, these were my expectations. Let's put them aside and let's see where he's going to take us. And right. you know, part of raising an autistic child is. You know, parents talk all the time about nobody. You know, I'm the parent. Nobody knows my kid better than I do, and you know that that whole thing. And it's like when you have an autistic child, there's other people that you sometimes should really look to for advice. Right. And you know, you and I have both done some. We've you know we've looked to the adult autism community, which has been a huge help for a lot of a lot of different reasons. But there's also different things. You know, just as far as like different interests and and. Um, you know, we we find ourselves learning every day, so we're learning just as much as he is. Well, we talked we talked a little bit about this the other day, as far as the you know I'm the parent I know best kind of thing, which oftentimes is true. However, I think sometimes you know we've we've also found ourselves falling in the trap too, where you people people base their assumptions and their decisions on generations of of shared experience of how they were raised and how their parents were raised and how their cousins were raised where they're raising a completely different child. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those things don't necessarily apply anymore. There aren't any universal rules when, when it comes to a child with special needs or, you know, whether it be autism or, or anything else. So you're kind of, you know, you're, you're um, 
you're you're kind of trailblazing at that point. At least you know in your own little world, you're trailblazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'd be wary of of constantly just thinking that you know you know everything when you you don't have you don't have the same experience. You're you're coming from a different experience into a completely new experience. Right. But you know I know parents are just you know they're trying to do the best they can and, and uh, trying to make the best decisions they can for their child and their family. That's right. But and sometimes you you do you have to look outside to to come to the to what possibly could be the best thing for your child. Nobody never knows what the best thing is, but you want to make educated choices and good decisions and try to get as much information as you can. Right. Um in you know, in our in our relationship, you are very active in raising raising our son and mm-hmm. that's I look at that as uh you know, just an absolute luxury. It's fantastic. And I'm very, you know, I say this to you a lot, but I'll say it to you publicly. I thank you for it because it means a lot to me because I think raising an autistic child, I think it's important for if there are, you know, if you're, if it's a single parent raising a child or if it's, um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have both parents there raising the child, as much of a role you can play as possible is very important because they, you know, our son likes to connect to both of us. But can you just tell, talk about a little bit about how how active you are in his day to day life? Um, well, very active, and and thank you for for recognizing. I you know you always do, but thank you for doing it publicly. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm bad cop, but I'm also the big goofball. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to describe it. It's yeah. uh, it's different now that you know he's getting older. But uh, you know, before it was strictly like protector, disciplinarian, teacher, goofball. You know, <laughs> in this kind of like satellite pattern. You know, whether that was um, you know because of how he preferred to interact or, or something else, I don't know. He, he he, but he always just wanted us around. Um, it's getting a little away from that now, and you know he's he's kind of uh, he's more like a kid than a, than a little boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I guess like I said before, I'm just enjoying uh, enjoying him and enjoying that we share some of the same interests, and and uh, so it's it's just been getting better and better. Right, and I know that you were, especially in the earlier years when we we actually had to pull our son out of public school for a while, and we homeschooled him, mm-hmm. and a lot of that was Michael's responsibility, and that was, you know, it was very interesting for both of us. We loved the idea of homeschooling. We had a lot there, but we, I think it made us both realize that we like our role as being you know, like you said, the disciplinarian, you the goofball, you know, doing things like that, that as educators, I don't think either one of us enjoyed that as much. Yeah, it was definitely challenging. Uh, and I got a lot of respect for good teachers, man, because... Um, and you know, parents it's, it's, who can homeschool their absolutely. kids. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a tough job. Yeah. Um, and I think... Hmm, yeah, I think that's all I'd like to say about that. Not just because I, I just... Um, I don't know. Uh, it was it was it was it was a challenge, right? Uh, but you know what? Though I wouldn't change it for the world because I learned a lot about Michelangelo. I learned a lot about myself, right? And um, you know, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That is, a, and that's that's a good th- good thing to know. Um, but it, you know, you have been very active, and it has been great. Not all fathers do have that opportunity, but I think, you know, for the fathers that or afraid of it, what what would you tell them? Afraid of homeschooling or afraid no, no, no. of their role? Afraid, as, of, uh, as, afraid of their role, you know, as, as far as how active they are in raising their child. 
Well, deep breaths, brothers. That's all. You know, um, really, it, it depends on what you're struggling with. You know, um, uh, I'd say if there are guys out there with newly diagnosed kids, just let go of all those preconceived notions about what you thought being a dad was going to be like. Your kid is awesome. You know, he or she is going to be different than other kids. That's that's it. It comes with different ta- challenges, but you know what? Life is challenging. Right. right. Uh, different and are, is good. Different yeah. can be really cool. I wouldn't change a thing if I had the chance. You know, you already love your kid. Just revel in it. Exactly. That's 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 really good. So, you know, as we've been on our journey and all the things that we've done, we, you know, I know it was mainly my idea to, and then I roped you in and got you involved with starting Rethinking Autism. Mm-hmm. And, but like everything that I do, all of my writing, all of my, you know, everything that I do, I run by you first. So <laughs> um, what, you know, what is your, what do you feel your role is in Rethinking Autism? And what and what do you like doing? Uh, well, that's uh, that's kind of a tough one. I mean, you you really always take the lead on that. I guess, um, you know, I guess I have a critical eye for the for for the things that, that end up on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of makes me sound like a big jerk. I don't mean it that way. I just mean. Uh, well, like, you're my filter. <laughs> well, exactly. Like when I was still playing music, you know, I like taking something great and trying to make it better. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and you know you've just been crushing the ball lately, so I'm I'm just happy to be along for the ride, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're you're selling yourself short there. Michael's been great, especially with a lot of the videos, as far as helping with the editing and and the music choice and the timing of things, the stuff that I you know I'm more of a big picture person. I don't really know how to do anything. I like to find people that know how to do stuff, um, and. You know, not that I'm not putting you into one of those roles, but you are an excellent editor and responsible for the, you know, the integrity and the consistency in things. So. Well, I'll tell you, one of the, the things I liked doing the most was uh, I feel really good about uh, directing the, the Autistic Speak video. Right. Um, rethink, I mean, re- re- hello, Rethinking Autism, it, it kind of started out as a reaction, like a, a pushback against Jenny McCarthy, you know. Right. And you know, with the Le- Leanne videos. Mm-hmm. And when it came time to, to plan our next video, you were really figuring out what direction you wanted to take the message. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making it more of a platform for autistic people to share their point of view. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a huge step in, in, in that direction. Uh, and also, I got to direct Max Martini from the unit. Yeah. <laughs> and I got, and I got yep. to direct the new Lone Ranger for Pete's sake. Yep, I mean, Army Hammer. Army Hammer, right? So I'm in a club with like Clint Eastwood, Gore Verbinski, and David Fincher. <laughs> you know, it's not too shabby. No, no. So uh, the, I, I think that was the high point. A lot of good folks involved in that video and all our videos. But uh, having having a, a, a hand in the creative mix in that one really, uh, I, I look back on very fondly. I feel very proud of it. Yes, I think that was, um, you know, I still. Everything involved in that, the music, Boris Elkin, um, he helped, you know, he did and the DG. music. And DG, they did the music for that, uh, which was just so powerful and so moving. And I think, you know, even the music that we had in, um, that Jeff Almasian did for us in so the, the support group video? Yeah, the autism support group. That was fantastic. Phenomenal. So, yeah. And just a quick segue into the new video that we did that that released today, the Believe It video, Talina, who is an autistic, young autistic woman, her singing, she scored it, she wrote it, um, the song Adapted. If you please go to TalinaWorld.com and listen to the song Adapted and also 
watch, listen to it on our video. It is phenomenal. I am hugely proud of that. And we also, you know, we mentioned Boris, but also Gary Eaton lent us his track from King Size Maybe. Gary's King, the man. Yep, from King of the Streets, which was absolutely phenomenal. We used that in the um, uh, Get, Get to, to Know an Autistic Adult video. Exactly. And you know what? You know what? That's one of my favorite Rethinking Autism Moments as well, because we knocked that out in about five minutes. We did. We did. See, that's it. Yeah. With iMovie, and you said, Gary, send me the instrumental track to King of the Streets. He's like, sure, no problem. So, yep, and we so knocked awesome. that out. That was, a, that was a great video. It was quick and easy and just very effective. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, one, of the, one of the things I'd also like to talk about is, well, obviously music is a huge theme because you are a musician, and... That help plays a role. So that is also one of your contributions to rethinking autism, which I think gets overlooked a lot. What What do you think your biggest challenges are as the father of an autistic child? Uh, well, I don't know. The same, I'm sure, as they are for any father. You know, patience, patience, patience. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, there are you know there are other things that parents of special needs kids have to face. Uh, that are that are different. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to I don't know stop caring that other people looked at you would look at him when he was you know flapping his yeah. hands. Yeah, I think I had a much easier time with that than you did. Yeah, I was self conscious about it. You know, we'd be at, like at the aquarium or wherever, and and you know he'd uh, be doing like he'd be stemming and stuff, and I'd like I would get self conscious. But you know what? I just uh, like and years ago I did the the quiet hands thing or whatever. You know, we'd be like quiet hands, you know. Right, and then we realized. But I just yeah. I just stopped caring about it. You know, I was like, he's not hurting anyone. He's not hurting himself. Let the kid jump up and down and wave his hands around. Who cares? Right. Yeah, I do it with him sometimes. You know, let people stare. Look at the big guy jumping around. I've seen you dance with him before. It's yeah. it's 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 pretty. Well, that, that, pretty you know amazing. what? It goes back to what I said before. Just revel in it, man, because it's a lot of fun. Exactly. Um. There, you know, there's a lot of talk about marriage problems when, and you know, there's apparently I've heard mixed things that there's a very high divorce rate with families with autistic kids, and I've also heard that that's not true. So, you know, regardless of that, the the perception is is that it's hard to stay married when you know when you're when you have an autistic child. We obviously um, are still married. It's it'll be 12 years this year. Mm-hmm. What, how do you feel about that? What do you think part of the so-called secret is, or or why do you think we're successful? Uh, you know, oh, that's that's really that's almost unanswerable because yeah, I don't know other people's situations. I know that I know that I know that I love you. I know you love me. I know that we back each other's play. I know that that we communicate. I know that um, I you know I don't know. I know that we want what's best for each other and for our child. And uh, and I know we have a good relationship. I don't know what else to say about that. Right. Uh, you know, I, I really feel for people that 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 are struggle that are struggling. You know, and I don't I don't know what's wrong. Maybe you know, I think it's I think it's troubling when when uh, you know a child can take the take the blame for that. I mean, obviously, uh, any kid with special needs, uh, yeah, it is, I would assume it's a stressor on the relationship. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, no, I just don't know because I don't know people's situation, you know, and I, and I feel uncomfortable talking about it. I just know that that uh, I know that we communicate well. I know that that we support each other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I don't know what else to say, frankly. Well, no, I think you know. I think that is important, and I think something that you hit on, which I I like to talk about, is that 
I, I feel I don't want the child to be blamed for it. Right. And in, in any of those situations, I think it's very important that couples, they look, you know, if you need to go to therapy or whatever it is that you need to try to get on the same page, I encourage you to do that if you're struggling in your in your marriage or you're struggling with dealing with um, a child with special needs because th- that child needs you and you need each other. Right. And um, and anything you can do to help that and to and to foster that and to foster that environment for your child is uh, is incredibly important and probably one of the most important things that you can do. You know, I will say this: if if you are if you are having a rough time of it as a father or as a mother, it that doesn't make you a bad parent. Talk to your talk to your partner. Be like, look, I'm I'm struggling. Right. Uh, it, you know that you got to work it out together. Right. That does go a long way. Because if you're you know if you're having a hard time and you need you know you need an afternoon off or whatever, you got you got to express that to your partner and and you got to work together to 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 ease the, the tension a little bit because if when that stuff sits around inside, it turns to poison. So you got to you really got to just talk 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 talk. Yeah, that is it. All right, Michael. Well, with that, we are going to wrap it up. That was a quick half hour. It was. It went really fast. Yeah, and this is awesome. I think I want to do it again. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> once in a while, you and I should. Uh, maybe we should uh, do a show together one more often. But well, thank uh, you so now, much. Just Marianne butting in my two cents here. Fantastic interview, and you are both welcome anytime. This is really <laughs> what parents. This is really what parents need to hear. Because Thank it's really you, not just it's not just the journey um, of the specialist after specialist and therapy after th- therapy. It, it really comes from the home. Um, so fantastic interview. And I just wanted to butt in and say that uh, we're not done with Autism Awareness Month. On Wednesday, we have the editors of um, Thinking Person's Guide to Autism. Woo. Very different format. Oh, yeah, we have the five of them coming on. And they are going to be doing a roundtable. No host, five brilliant women um, giving the best advice they can. And what better way to end Autism Awareness Month than Dr. Temple Grandin? Um, We'll be making her sixth appearance on the show, and we will be discussing different, not less. So, Dana, why don't you give out your? Oh, please come back! Really, please come back, Uh, Dana. Why don't you give out your website and your information? And thank you for joining us. Thank you. Please go to rethinkingautism.com. And um, and you can look up look us up on Facebook at Rethinking Autism, and please check out our new video under the Believe It tab, the Danny Bowman story. You will be incredibly impressed as were we. Thank you, and have a great have a great evening.